don't know if I'm more nervous or whether he's more nervous. <laughs> I am his wife. I'm happy to be his wife. He's an awesome husband, and I thank God daily for him. We have three children. Ongwele, Zianda, Ongwele, Kazmula, all named after the characters of God. Um, we love them. Um, they are kidsmen at the moment. So this morning, as we know, we are on our series, Heroes of the Faith. So I will be speaking more specifically on Daniel and his friends. Um, but before I start, um, I just want to do an icebreaker, if I can. From 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Can, can we all just repeat these words? For we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. Meaning we live by faith and not what we see. Amen? The second icebreaker is James 2. I've taken it from verse 14 to 26. Faith without works is dead. Come on, church. Faith without works is dead. If a farmer is trusting God for rain, does he not go and plant a crop? Does he not with an action? Amen? So faith without works is dead. That's taken from James 2, 14 to 26. Okay. Those two scriptures, just as an icebreaker. So today, my topic, I've decided to name it Faith for Purpose. I love the book of Daniel. It's one of my favorites because it talks about courage, bravery, true faithfulness, faith in God alone. No other God. Faith in God alone. Amen? Uncompromising faith. We'll go into the book of Daniel. But I just wanted to highlight, I love that, 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 that book. It speaks of governance. It speaks of standing. In a world where there's hostility, when things don't make sense, it speaks of uncompromising faith in the one true God. Amen. Before we get into that book, I just want to also touch on purpose. Amen. We were created with purpose in mind. Amen. When God created us, he strategically and intentionally placed us where we are. Amen. He says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Amen. We have been set apart. You have been set apart by God himself. Amen. He's created us for purpose. The other scripture that I like is in Psalm, it's Psalm 139. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Amen. So before we even, before we were, while we're in our mother's womb, while we're being created, God already ordained our days. Amen. He set us apart. So I just want to lay that foundation that we are here We've been created for purpose. And I just want to speak the truth over your life, God's purpose. How does this link with faith, might you ask? Well, faith to me is the role that I take to move from a life that I may feel is purposeless to a life that is purpose purposeful in Christ. 
So it's a role that I take. Faith, to me, is like a bridge that I must cross to go from where I am to where I want to be in Christ. Faith, for me, is the transportation system. That's how I like to think of faith. The Word of God is my navigator. Word of God is my navigator. Signboards are in here. Direction is in here. Amen. God is the transporter. God is the driver. God is the one that is in control. Full control. We are just the passengers. We are to trust in the driver. That's faith. Trusting in God fully. Trusting that he is in full and complete control. Amen. So in terms of our heroes of the faith, our setting comes from Hebrews 11. But I want to specifically go into Hebrews 11 from verse 32 to 34, seeing that I'll be touching on the book of Daniel. We've had um, a few um, other elders, Drew shared last week on Barak at Hebrews 11 as a church. This is the vehicle that we're in right now, amen? And I'm hoping this morning I can encourage you. I know it's the end of the year. I know we're tired. <laughs> I know that we are in holiday season. But God is in full control regardless, amen? So Hebrews 11, 32, 34 reads, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies, defeated foreign armies. Amen. That is not out of their strength. It's out of, it's out of God's strength. It's out of them allowing God to be the driver. It's out of them sitting as a passenger, looking at the signboards, for, for their lives, but knowing that God is in full control. So now I've put the setting. I'd like us to move to the book of Daniel. We're going to look at specifically chapter one. The book of Daniel is an interesting book, and I'd encourage you to read it. There's incredible, amazing, amazing testimonies, amazing stories that come from the book of Daniel. As I was preparing, I was like, Lord Jesus, where do I go? There's just so much. There's so much richness in the book of Daniel. But then I thought, let's just stick to the basics and look at chapter 1. So I'll read from chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered king of Judah into his hand. The Lord delivered. So God delivered king of Judah into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, 
to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. So God delivers the king of Judah to Jehoiakim, I mean to Nebuchadnezzar, sorry. And then Nebuchadnezzar, demand, um, Nebuchadnezzar demands the service from some of the royal family. I just want to highlight those as we're reading. There were young men without any physical defect. They were handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. They were well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I will end there for now, for chapter one. What I want to highlight here is that the Lord delivers King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So God is in control. The Israelites, some that were captured, were from the royal family. Imagine capturing people from the royal family of nobility. They were young, they had no defect, physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning. So they had degrees. They went to university, perhaps, at that time. They were well-learned men. Um, and they had to qualify to serve in the king's palace. I mean, they're already of nobility. They're already of royalty. I think, for me, it, it would mean I should... If I'm not of nobility, I should be serving them. But they are of nobility, and they are to serve this other king. I would think at this point, you've been captured. You're in a foreign land. They were in Babylon. They've just experienced defeat. So I just want to spend a few minutes just thinking of what they may have been going through. They've been removed. So they captured... Beyond the being captured, they are removed from their families. They are taken away from their loved ones. And then they are to be trained in Babylonian wisdom, Babylonian ways. They are to eat the food of the Babylonians. They are stripped of their identity and are given new names, as we have read. Daniel is given the name Belshazzar. Um, Hananiah is given the name, I just want to go back. So I get it right. Oh, wow. I've lost my place. Sorry. So Daniel is given the name Belshazzar. Hananiah is given the name Meshach. I am getting there. First, I'm preaching. Glenridge. <laughs> um, to Hananiah, he gave the name Shadrach. Let me get it right. To Mishael, he gave the name Meshach. And to Azariah, he gave the name Abednego. 
So where I'm going with this is that they were stripped of their identity. It's like going into a foreign land. Your ID book gets taken away. You are no longer South African if you are South African, or you're no longer from Botswana. You're given a new identity completely. So in, in an essence, whatever background you have, whatever history, whatever life that you have, whatever purpose that you have, no longer exists. It is the intention of the Babylonians to strip them of their culture. The Bible says the devil came to kill, steal, steal and destroy. It is the intention of the devil to kill, to steal, and to destroy. It is the intention that he takes away our purpose, that we feel that life has no meaning. So, in this setting, I would think Daniel and his friends would have felt very defeated. I would have expected them to sulk. I would have expected them to shut themselves out and not want to interact with anyone. I would have expected them to just give up, to just quit. I mean, how else, what else can you do? You're in a foreign land, you are captured, you're away from your families, right? They should be lacking in hope. They should be lacking in vision. They should be feeling like a lost generation, purposeless. They should be feeling without, they should feel that they have no faith, without faith, basically. However, Daniel made up his mind not to harm himself by eating the king's rich food and drinking the king's wine. So there's a decision that Daniel makes there. And he doesn't make it alone, he makes it with his friends. And for me, him standing and his friends standing at that point say something else, that they weren't feeling defeated, they weren't feeling captured. They were captured, but they didn't allow that to hold them down. They didn't allow the place, their, their names being changed, their identity being changed, their environment to change them and to change how they see their God, how they see their king, the real true God. Amen. Maybe you're going through a season where you feel defeated, maybe experiencing a setback maybe feeling captured, maybe feeling rejected or a point of giving up. It's expected, but there's something different about Daniel and his friends. There's something that separates them. They choose not to conform because they've set their eyes on the king. Amen. They realize that they are the passengers and the driver who is God, is in control. Faith is not a denial of reality. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they must deny their reality. Faith is trusting fully in God, fully and completely in Him for your situation. I'm going to continue reading. Checking my notes again. So I'll continue reading from verse. I'll continue reading from verse nine. Elohim made the chief of staff. I'm reading from different versions this morning, so please bear with me. I was reading from NIV. I'm reading from another version. I love reading from different versions to just get the scripture and understand it 
in the different ways. Elohim made the chief of staff kind and compassionate towards Daniel. Elohim being God. So again, towards Daniel, when they stood firm and said they will not defile themselves with the king's food that he had offered. The chief of staff told Daniel, I'm afraid of my master, the king. The king determined what you should eat and drink. If he sees that you look worse than the other young men your age, he would have my head cut off. The chief of staff put a supervisor in charge of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Daniel said to the supervisor, please test us for 10 days. Give us only vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare us to the young men who are eating the king's rich food. Decide how to treat us on the basis of how we look. Uncompromising, trusting in God. Amen. The supervisor listened to them about this matter and tested them for 10 days. After 10 days, they looked healthier and stronger than the young men who had been eating the king's rich food. So the supervisor took away the king's rich, rich food and wine and gave them vegetables. God gave these four men. Again, God is in control. He gave them knowledge, wisdom, and the ability to understand all kinds of literature. Daniel could also understand all kinds of visions and dreams. At the end of the three-year period, the chief of staff brought all the young men to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them and found no one like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Among all of them, there was no one. So these four men served the king. Whenever the king asked him about things that required wisdom and insight, he found that they knew 10 times more than all the magicians and, and physics in the whole kingdom. Daniel served the royal palace until the first king of Cyrus of Persia. You may be asking, what made them have this unwavering faith? What set them apart? What's different about them? What's different about, what da about Daniel and Meshach? They're just young men. Yes, they're full of wisdom. Yes, they're educated. But in this environment of Babylon, it was very hostile. As I had explained, that they tried to take away their identity. But they chose to stand in the one true God. I want to encourage you this morning that we must keep our eyes fixed on God. We must keep our eyes fixed on God. How I keep my eyes fixed on God is I read the word. This is my navigation. But I can't read this navigation without the driver. Because the driver is the one that turns and decides where we're going. But I need to read it so I can be in contact and in touch with the driver. What Daniel did was some have said, some scholars have said was they had fasted. Fasting is hard. <laughs> but fasting is also necessary. Because fasting allows us to, to put aside our needs and to say, Lord, I'm just putting aside this food and I'm put, or I'm putting aside my phone. Yes, in this day and age, we have to fast our phones because we are constantly on our phones. Sometimes we can forget our wallets and our bags, but as long as we have our phones, we have everything. We've got our banks. We've... So there are things that one sometimes needs to set aside just to spend time with God. We can always count on God to have a plan 
and a purpose for the difficult situations that we may face. Because God is faithful. God is not like man. The word says God is not like man that he should lie. God is faithful. And we need to trust and believe in God's faithfulness. So whatever your situation is, God is faithful. As we have seen how God gave Daniel and his friends, as I like to call it, Daniel and his friends, he gave them wisdom, knowledge, ten times more than those that they were captured with. Because they chose to stand. They chose not to defile themselves. The world is calling out different things. The world says, do this, do that. But what does the word of God say? What does God say? So they chose not to, un- to, they chose not to compromise. Amen. God's power is never wasted. Everything he does is focused on purpose. His purpose is not bound to any finite time or fixed place. God is in control, and we are to trust in him. When we bow our knees to him and decide that no matter what comes along, we will not abandon, we are in complete faith and trust in him. Amen. Another story that we read in chapter 3, I won't read it, is when this king, Nebuchadnezzar, sets up this idol, this man-made idol, and he commands that when the horns and, and the lyres and all sounds are sung and blown, everyone must bow to that idol. This again is testing Daniel and his friends. At that time, when you read the Bible, when you read scriptures, Daniel isn't mentioned in this portion, but his friends are mentioned. They choose not to bow. Amen. They they even go to a point to say that even if you throw us into the fire, which is what King Nebuchadnezzar was threatening at that time, he said, if you don't bow, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. They said, even if God does not save us, even if he doesn't do what we expect him to do, because that's what it means. Even when he doesn't do what I've been trusting him to do, he is God. He's infinite. He's in control. Even if he doesn't come through the way I expect him to come through, we will not bow. So when you read chapter 3, the furnace um, is, 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 what's the word? The king commands that the furnace is heated up seven times more. So even way more than what it it usually should be. So your situation may be way above, feel way above your head. It may seem dire. But even if it is, we will not bow. Even if God doesn't come through the way I expect him to come through. I want you to trust in the God that saves. Amen. So we read that King Nebuchadnezzar becomes very angry and he commands strong men to chuck them into the furnace. These men that are chucking chucking them into this furnace get burnt up and they die. But the three friends that are in the fire, who were put in the fire bound, do not burn. Their clothes don't even get burnt. There's not even a smell on them. 
Because as they come into the fire, um, I just want to read this portion. Then there were three men thrown into the blazing furnace. They were wearing their clothes, hats, and other clothing. The king's order was urgent, and the furnace was extremely hot that the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed by the flames from the fire. So these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the blazing furnace. They were still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was startled. He sprung to his feet. He asked his advisors, didn't we throw three men into the fire? That's true, your majesty, they answered. The king replied, but, I look, but look, I see four men. They're untied, walking in the middle of the fire and unharmed. The fourth one looks like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the blazing furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. So they came out of the fire. The king's satraps, governors, mayors, and advisors gathered around the three men. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Their hair on their heads wasn't singed. Their clothes weren't burnt, and they didn't smell of smoke. Amen. You might be in the fire. Amen. You might feel like you're in the fire. But we press in. We trust in a God that does not waver. We trust in an infinite God. We trust in a God that loves us. In a God that loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. We trust in the true God. And when we trust in the true God, he comes through. Maybe not in the way that we expect him to, but he comes through. I have proof right here. God comes through. And I want to encourage you this morning that God sees you. He sees where you are. He sees your, your battles, if you are facing battles. He sees your challenges, if you are facing challenges. But God comes through. Amen. Amen. So let us press in. Let us press in, press in to him who loves us, to him who cares for us, to him who sent Jesus on the cross to die for us. In closing, I want to share a testimony. So Lufefe and I got married in 2009. In our getting married, it wasn't an easy um, process. One, when, before we got married, we had been given a word from God that we knew that it was time. <laughs> we're getting married. I remember we're on the phone. I lived in Morningside in a bachelor flat, and Lufefe was in Pinetown, and I was chatting to him on the phone. And just out of that conversation, remember just both of us confirmed God had placed us together for ministry. We laughed at that time about it because we're like, we love each other. That's why we're getting married. But also realizing that God had placed us for something more. <sighs> Little did we know that we would face challenges with our parents. Well, more my in-laws than... <laughs> More illness than my parents. <laughs> so part of being married required us to undergo a process of ilobola, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. If I'm not going to get into the meaning now, it's not selling, it's families coming together and celebrating together. It also required some other Zulu traditions, which would require slaughtering, 
would require my mother-in-law tried to explain them to me. Um, by the way, my mother-in-law was totally against any of the traditional stuff. So my in-laws are divorced. Um, my mother-in-law comes to this church. She is in Cape Town. She would have been here today. And she stood for us. She stood for us against the rest of the family. She said, these are my children. These are God's children. They will not defile themselves by ancestral worship. It would mean I would have to be bathed in some bile of a cow that has been slaughtered and had been sacrificed to the ancestors. It would mean I would be like bowing to a statue that Nebuchadnezzar had built. That's what the compromise would have meant. It would mean that I would have to start, we would start our marriage knowing that we have taken what is sacred, given to us by God, and offered it to our ancestors. But we chose to stand. We said no. We said I'm not sharing this testimony because I'm talking about us or anything, but just wanted to encourage you. I'm humbled by the claps, by the way. <laughs> but it took standing. It took my mother-in-law praying with us. It took my, the rest of my in-laws not coming to our wedding. It was hard. One of the hardest things that Lufefe and I had to experience because we chose not to compromise. We said, we shall serve no foreign gods. We shall serve the one true God. And we shall not build. <clears throat> we shall not build our marriage on foreign gods. Amen. Amen. And God has blessed us. God has blessed us since. Yes, we face challenges. But we welcome challenges because we are a people of God. And we are people that need to stand for God. We pray for our in-laws daily. We pray for them. And we have seen how God is working in their hearts. Every time we meet up with them, there's a change. My father-in-law had said to me when I met him after we'd been married, he said, so the surname is Tyler. So he said, the colors don't know that you are here. Nor the demanders know that. <laughs> I love my father-in-law because his heart and his understanding is that we need to undergo that process to be fully married. Not that, that, that was his heart. He understood that for him, that's what he, 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 he believed. That for us to be fully and completely married, that's the process we had to undergo. But when I saw him recently, he said to me, I miss you guys. I need to see you. I need to see my grandchildren. You must come over. Now that is a big deal. So now we're on the next level of trying to build that relationship so that we can introduce God to them. But I think we have introduced God already because they have seen that we, for the 11 years, we're going to 11 years of being married, we have not changed our stance. Even with the family gatherings, where there is some form of gathering that talks towards ancestral worship, we don't go. We've had to stand to that extent. Where there are funerals, 
we get, we get the, on the day of the funeral to support. But we know that we can't be there before because of the stuff that happens before. But they have opened their hearts and they are continuing opening their hearts to us that we may then get to a point where we can share the word of God to them. Amen. So in closing, I want to invite you today that if you are in a place where you feel despair or you feel a setback or you may feel a bit of failure or where, where you may feel that maybe life has thrown lemons at you or where you feel disappointment, I'd like to invite you today to open your hearts to the one true God who is in full control. He has been from the beginning of time. He began the time. And he is in control now. And you'll continue to be in control. I want to extend an invitation to you to open your hearts to our God, our King. I like Bev's, invita Bev's invitation earlier that if you don't know Christ, if you don't know the joy that we speak of, the word says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. The joy set before him. We were that joy that Jesus may redeem us. Amen. Open your hearts this morning. If I could ask the band to please assist me. And I'd like to encourage you this morning. If you need prayer, if you need someone that can speak life to you, the elders are here. The leaders are here at church. They can pray for you. If you can stand up. Open your hearts this morning. And I'm going to ask you to be bold. Just as Daniel was bold. Me, it's not about us, but it's about him and a relationship with him. Amen. Amen. So where you've been feeling that your situation you've, hasn't changed or you feel like you're going around in circles, I want to invite you to come to the front. Where you need prayer because you've been feeling disappointment, I'd like to open this platform to you where we can pray for you, pray with you, pray, encourage you. Amen. I'm going to start praying, but I still open the front.